put our hands together for Pastor Howe and Chrissy. Hi. We are so pumped to be with y'all tonight. We are. So I'll say this. Um, apparently some were surprised by my uh, forwardness last week. Uh, <laughs> and here's the deal. Chrissy and they I, we've been, we've been doing uh, young adult ministry for a while. We've done yes. youth ministry for a while. So we've walked through really on both sides of what marriage looks like, what it, how it affects the children, how it affects the kids in the house, but also we've done marriage counseling, premarital counseling, and all these things. And we've really gotten to the point, like we really, really, really care about your future marriage. We really, really care about your future relationships. And so we wanna be as honest as possible and what's going on because we want you to have the best marriage possible. Not that there's a pot, like it's not possible to go into marriage perfectly, but it is possible to go in and Are you saying better, I wasn't perfect? What? <laughs> Um, so, and I used to say, like, I, I know it was a, it was a, like a cliche thing to say for a while, like singleness is a gift. I, I don't want to say that because I don't think anybody wants it. Um, but it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. You have an opportunity right now, and you may not see this, but you have an opportunity right now to work on things that will be much harder to work on in marriage. Um, because marriage, there, there's a lot of things you automatically deal with. There's things that you fight about that, that matter, and there's things that you fight about that don't. We fought on some things that didn't matter already today. Uh, apparently, <laughs> while we were getting ready, I take up too much space uh, was what okay. I was told. Okay, our bathroom which, is very small, and he is a bully in small spaces. <laughs> and if I would have said that back the other way, it would have been like, so what are you saying? You think I've gained weight? Like, immediately. <laughs> yes, but apparently, right. it's okay for... And so, we, I, I just wanted to share with you guys, like, there's things in marriage, like, there's, you're going to have fights, but there's things you just end up having to compromise because you realize there's two types of people. And you didn't even know I was going to say this, so, but I want to bring this up to everybody. So, apparently, there's two types of people in marriage, um, and, and it all comes down to how you react when you get home from a trip. Um, there are those who, when they get home, within the first couple hours, they actually unpack their stuff, put away stuff, put stuff into the, into the washer and all that kind of stuff. And then there are those who open up their suitcase in the middle of the floor and then live out of it for the next two weeks. How many of you are the ones who live out of your suitcase? Dang it. Ayo. <laughs> Everything's already together. You don't have to search psycho. for it. You know where it is. That's not, I have not been able to win that fight, apparently. Uh, and I think one time, just to show me, she went on a vacation, came back, she was living out of that suitcase. She went on another trip, brought another suitcase, brought that home, opened that on top of the other suitcase, and then just stared at me while she lived out of that. But anyway, so here's what we're going to be talking about today. There's two different things that we're going to be talking about. One, we are going to be talking about everybody's favorite conversation, which is just baggage. Uh, and, and really, how... How, how do we deal with our baggage? How do we offload our baggage? What baggage should we be paying attention to? But also, in the second half, what we're going to be talking about is how do we keep from taking on more baggage? Because I believe this. I believe the way many of us date nowadays, we're actually taking on baggage in every relationship that as we've had. As we're dating. As we're dating, yeah. instead of getting rid of baggage and dating in, a, in the best possible way. And so, yeah. when we talk about baggage that we need to offload, here, here's the first thing and the first point that we're going to talk about is sin that we allow to stay. And, and here's what I mean by sin that we allow to stay. It's the things that we know that we're doing wrong in life, but for some reason we believe marriage will solve those problems. I, I'll tell you this. Marriage doesn't solve your problems. It magnifies them. It makes them bigger. And when I talk about sin— That's that, my line later. You took my line. Did I take your line? <laughs> I like that line. Okay, thank you. you um, so sin that we allow to stay, really, if you want to look at it, it's, it's addiction. It's things that we continue to do over and over again. And when you look at addiction, there's always a root to it. 
And so what, you, what we always want to do in life is we want to look at what we're doing and why we do it. Because if we can get to the root of why we do something, we can actually get to the root of the problem because the sin is just something that we do in right. response to that. Yeah, Colossians 3.5 says this way, says, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. So, so when I say, like, things that are addiction, yeah, we, we talk about sexual immorality and those things. We talk about pornography, but we can also talk about gambling or entertainment or codependency or materialism or social media or the need to gain uh, the fact that I gain my worth from outside sources through social media. And so those are the things that we look at, and, and I do. I t guys, we talk about pornography a lot because I don't know if you guys know, but right now, like two-thirds of divorces list pornography as one of the major reasons that they got divorced. Like, it's one of the biggest things that is tearing apart marriages a a as we speak because I, I meet with people on a regular basis, on a regular basis, where the guy says, well, I, I just got to tell you this, this is what I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. and, and let me just give you this, this misnomer when it comes to pornography. If I'm not just watching it all the time, then I'm not addicted to it. The average person guy I talk to, this is his story. He goes, you know, I'll watch it, and then I'll stay away from it for about two or three months, and then I'll watch it again. Because that's an addiction. Yeah. That's an addiction. It's you're using it for something in your life. You're using it to cover up something in your life, and it's going to come back to hurt you in some, yeah. some way. And I think some people, too, think that, well, I won't have that issue in marriage because obviously we'll be having regular sex, hopefully. All the time, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's not true. So if you have issues with porn before married, before you're married, you're going to have them also when you are married. It's not something that just stops because ultimately you have trained neural pathways in your brain to be able to respond in a certain way at a certain time under certain circumstances, and that's not going to change just simply because you said I do. Right, and it's, look, and this is on both sides. It is easier to look at porn than it is to have a conversation and talk through things. Like, that, that's the thing. Like, when you're in a fight with your spouse, it is easier to look at porn than to figure out that fight and actually come back to each other. And so that, that's what I see so many times. It's not, it's not that you don't love your spouse. It's not that you don't want to have sex with your spouse. It's just we've gotten so used to just pressing a button and getting what we need yeah. that it continues to happen. Yeah. Matthew 5.28 says it this way, and I, I just want to give you an idea of this, that when we choose to look at porn now, according to the Bible, according to the Bible, we're actually even cheating on our future spouse. It says, but I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in their heart. Look, I don't want you to feel shame or guilt in this. I just want you to get help. I really do. I want you to find some help around you. We, we got to stop treating porn as just something we struggle with and the addiction that it is. And when you see it as an addiction, you go, all right, I need help. I need people around me. I need boundaries. I need things on my phone or my computer to block it because I don't want to deal with that. But when we keep Dealing with it like, oh, it's just something that I struggle with every once in a while. We'll never get right. to the heart of the problem. Yeah. We'll never solve it. And it'll pop up in the worst possible times, especially when we are married. Guys, it, I, and what we're saying is this. It is much easier to walk through these things while you're single than it is in marriage. Yeah, I think that's the whole point of why yeah. we're talking about this, too, is it's easier to deal with now um, than later. Because there's more people involved. Right. And so the first thing that we, we, we get rid of is we get rid of the sin that we just allow to stay around. And we all know what that is. And the second thing is this, and this is something that, that Chrissy ha knows very well, is the hurts that we hide. 
Yes, so this can be the baggage that was handed to you by people close to you or people that you know, but holding on to hurt and pain from what has happened to us um, at the hand of someone else. And for me, I know when we came into marriage, the kind of two bags that I brought in were predominantly had to do with abandonment and abuse. So when it comes to abandonment, I come from a long line of divorce, um, rejection, abandonment. My mom is on her fifth marriage. If you've not heard our story before, you can go check out the Mother's Day message that we did this past year in June um, at GFC Florida on YouTube. But we're just kind of briefly going over that today. But my mom is on her fifth marriage. My grandma was married four times. Um, so the relationships that I saw modeled were always just very broken relationships, which ultimately I just started kind of forming subconsciously these lies that led me to believe that, you know, you're not worth staying for. You're not worth pursuing. You're not worth fighting for. So in relationships then, I would enter them unknowingly believing the lie that love gives up right? That love doesn't last, that love is fleeting, that people leave, and that ultimately love is untrustworthy, right? So when it comes to relationships, when you are carrying around the baggage of abandonment and insecurity, ultimately the two ways that we end up coping with that is either through manipulation or control or maybe going back and forth with both, but they can come out in either codependency or also in avoidance. So codependency, like these are just the very kind of like clingy, needy type of behaviors that some of us might have. So we're just kind of overly ready and super ego to jump from relationship to relationship. Like my mom loved to be married. She could not be single. Maybe you know friends like that in your life now that you're like, I have no idea if she has been single for longer than one month or maybe a guy that is like that too. This is that person that also just totally disappears in relationships every time that they get another other um, they disappear off the face of the planet. We know those people. If you don't know that person, then that might be you. Um, <laughs> but codependency can not only be found in dating relationships, they can be found in friendships too. Like these are, this is the idea that when you find a friend, like you have to make sure everybody knows that this is your best friend, right? And you get extremely like territorial when best friend hangs out with other best friend. Because you're like, that's my best friend. So this is kind of different ways that that comes out because ultimately you might have some abandonment issues. You might have some insecurity issues. And the other one, avoidance. Where are my wall builders at? I was a very good wall builder in recovery for wall building. But the more baggage that we carry around, inevitably we carry it around and it ends up stacking up and what does it do? It builds higher walls, right? This is the idea that I'm never gonna allow that to happen again. I'm not gonna get hurt like that again. Never again am I going to be the victim, right? So wall builders, what do we do? We shy away from serious relationships. We shy away from commitment of any kind, vulnerability of any kind. Where are my ones, threes, and eights at, if you know what the Enneagram is? Um, that, that's <laughs> apparently evil. We're not allowed some of you that. just were like, oh man, I was totally attacked. But here's the thing too, wall builders subconsciously pursue relationships with other wall builders to ultimately perpetuate the same lie that love is untrustworthy. So it's ultimately like a form of self-sabotage that leaves us believing, again, that vulnerability is unsafe, right? I know that was just a light bulb that went off for someone. You're like, oh my gosh, that's why I continue to go out and date people who are not that into me. I'll let that sink in.
So if you are currently single and you do not pursue the work of healing now, your defaults will not simply change before you get married. And this was my line before, because marriage will not solve your problems, but marriage will magnify them. And that is definitely worth saying again, or else I wouldn't have repeated it. But the other bag that I also brought in was the bag of abuse. And I know that this can be the hardest bag for us to deal with because it's so complex and we might not even always know what all the ramifications of the abuse that we have suffered in our lives may even, um, how it might transpire. But we know that abuse can be emotional, we know that it can be physical, and we know that it can be sexual. But when we carry around the baggage of abuse, we can be sure that it will have a direct impact on how we view the opposite sex, on how we review um, relationships that we go into, because abuse, when left hidden and unhealed, it's basically like we're carrying around this ticking time bomb. And I kind of picture it being that bag that you know that you try to stuff everything deep down inside and like push down, right, and put an elbow on, and then you walk away, and at some point, what's gonna happen? <laughs> right? And that's what happens in relationships when we don't surrender it, when we don't bring it into the light. So I personally was a victim of childhood sexual abuse. It was when I was in elementary school, again when I was in middle school, and was also raped when I was in high school. And today we know that one in four women suffer sexual abuse, and it's one in six men, guys. So I wonder, in a room this size, how many of us are still carrying around and trying to hide this bag, carrying around the weight of something that we were never created to carry? Until I decided to do the hard work of counseling for 25 years, I hit onto this. And I didn't tell a best friend, I didn't tell my parents, I didn't tell my siblings for 25 years. Nobody knew my secrets, it was just me. And it was out of shame. It was out of disgust. It made me feel icky to talk about. It still does. I mean, it wasn't for 28, until I was 28 years old that I was actually able to say the word victim or rape out loud. And it's still hard. But when abuse is experienced, the enemy will try to keep you in silence. He'll try to keep it hidden because ultimately he wants to either minimize it or he wants to have you compare it to someone else's story. Or, maybe even worse, he wants to try to convince you that maybe you did something to deserve it or bring it on. Which are all lies. So by the time that Hal and I got married, my idea of what sex was supposed to be had become so warped. And there was also addictions and ways of coping that I had kind of taken on along the way. But coming into marriage, then I had built mighty walls, and I kind of had this picture in my mind earlier today when I was preparing for this again, and I would only let Hal see so much of me, and bear with me, because this might have gone better in my mind that it comes out in person, but with our bags, like, we don't always show up with these, like, big bags on a date, right? Because that would be too obvious. We kind of will, like, maybe keep it attached in a rope, right, and keep the bag over here. Maybe there's, like, a, a door We'll just kind of like kick it behind. We have it attached to us. And here we build mighty walls that keep me here and keep me safe and keep you there. And so when I started kind of unpacking some of this stuff, 
in counseling, like it didn't come out all at one time. It's almost like I was trying to test him. Like I would have the weight of this the suitcase and this baggage back here and I would try to connect with him and try to come close to him and try to be vulnerable, but these walls were here and I knew that if I really got free and, and left this baggage to the side that I would fall over my walls and that my walls would come crashing down, but then I would be exposed for how vulnerable, for the shame that I felt, for the disgust that I felt. So I did what any great wall builder did and would self-sabotage. How many people in here can kind of identify with, hey, let me push you away before you can push me away? So I began to just kind of unpack little by little, testing him, and it was kind of like, hey, do you really love me? I'm going to only tell you a little bit at a time because I need to test if you're really going to stay because remember abandonment. And so it's like, am I really worth fighting for? Can you really handle this? I'm going to show you bits and pieces and see where we go from there. So this is where I put my counseling plug in. And this is where I say Jesus plus therapy, but I also edited this and I said it's Jesus plus faith-based therapy because there's a lot of therapists out there and there's a lot of counselors out there. And I've talked to some girls and I'm like, oh no, girl, you gotta find a Jesus therapist because it is a totally different um, ball game when you are talking through your stuff. But in therapy, this is where healing happens. I love the verse that says that they overcame, which is they overcame the pain, they overcame the hurt, they overcame the lies by the blood of the lamb, but also by the word of their testimony. So when we're speaking this out, we're bringing it out into the light. We're surrendering it so that Jesus can move in and his blood covers that hurt and covers that pain. But we are also speaking it out. And the more that we begin to speak it out and bring it out into the light, then the lies start to lose some of their strength. So healing, yes, but then also comes renewing of your mind in counseling. In counseling, you will learn how to take those lies that you've been believing, which most of us, we don't even know the lies that we've been believing. We're just kind of reacting and behaving out of some of the very wrong core lies that we've been believing. And we begin to um, exchange them for the truth of the word of God and what he says about us. So we are literally transformed through the renewing of our mind after healing takes place. And then we are able to live in freedom, freedom in the life that God has called us to, not this life of we feel like we just have to go throughout life, right, with our, our head and our shoulders hung down low and, you know, always trying to kind of hide that part of us and our secrets and our shame. And he says, no, I have called you to freedom. And also, I'm going to take what the enemy meant for your destruction, and I'm going to bring good out of it, because that's God's economy. That's the kingdom. And he says, I am going to bring purpose from your pain. Do you think that I like getting up here and sharing about the vulnerable parts of my story? No, I don't. But every single time that I share this, I have men and women of all different ages come up and say, hey, because you were brave, I was able to find my brave. When one person steps up and says, hey, like, me too, I'm not alone, then other people can stand up and do that too. And that's not just reserved for me. Like, God wants to do that in your life, and he promises, and I love that that is a promise from him. He doesn't just leave us in our mess, leave us in our lies, that his promise is he wants to bring purpose from your pain. 
So when it comes to the baggage of our hurts and pain, we can also ultimately hang um, onto the shame and guilt from the choices that we have made, though, right? We've talked about stuff that has happened to us or the baggage that's been handed to us from other people, but also we can do some pretty crappy things too, right? And we can hold on to the shame and the guilt of that um, and how we've hurt others, so. Yeah, and I just want to add to that. I think so many times people will hear your story and you're like, well, that's what I'll do. I'll just get married and then I'll, I'll unload these things. I, it took three years because it was. It, just like she said, it was unloading a little bit, wondering if you're going to trust, wondering if you're going to leave, a little bit more, trust, leave, all those things. I truly believe that if she was able to walk through this when she was still single, it would have gone much faster and much easier because the entire time she's worried about how I'm feeling. And on top of that, it's not like she's just unloading it and we're going through this together. There was, a, there was a constant dynamic of just pushing away, trying to figure out what's going on, and even me going, I'm not, I'm not sure if we're going to make it. And so when we talk about these things and when Chrissy talks about, like, why she's so vulnerable in this, because we want you to walk through the steps now so you can have the healthiest relationship possible yeah. in the future. And so really, I mean, I believe this, and, I, and this may sound kind of harsh, but I believe for some of you in this room, God may be better being very generous with you by not bringing that right person into your life right now because he wants you to walk through the steps to get as healthy as possible. Because because you, the health before the person is the best way to go through it. Yeah. It's the best next step that you can take. And so, but we, we've got to do the, we've got to do the heavy lifting. We've got to be the ones to walk through it. We've got to do the work ourselves. We've got to do the work ourselves. And I've said yeah. this before in messages. Look, when, when you are in a hurting place, you tend to attract more hurting people. When you are in a healed right. place, you tend to attract more healed people, and we go after the right people in that. So we, we've got to pay attention to our hurts. And here's the last piece of baggage that we're going to talk about tonight is the lies that we believe. And, and these are lies that both have been told to us, lies that we've observed, or even lies that we, that we want to believe. And, and one of the biggest things that I hear all the time that, that just drives me insane is when there's this idea of it's like it's us against the world. Like, it, it's me and you, and we're against the world. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. We're going to do this, and we're going to be in love. I'm like, that's the dumbest way you can go into marriage. Like, literally, like, no marriage makes it by themselves. You need other people around you. You need people walking with you. And at the same time, here's what's so crazy for me. It's so easy for us to look at our friends and be like, what are they doing? Like, why would they even do that? We, we all know that that's a problem. We all know that that's a thing. But the moment one of our friends come to us and say we're in the same position, we're like, you don't understand because you've never felt a love like this before. Because <laughs> we think we're special. And look, it, the best thing that we can do in any I relationship... I do love that you feel like you have a special love, though. That's sweet. <laughs> but I get what you're saying. <laughs> I do. Thank you. I feel like all. <laughs> and then you want to talk about the lie that I usually yes. go off on. Yes. Um, can we abolish the lie of you complete me? Can we just shut that down right now? I mean, it's great in the movies, but in reality, ew! Like, I don't want to have to bring something to the table to complete you. Like, I have my own stuff, okay? But here's the thing. You need to be aware of who you are and who you are not in order to date aware. You need to be aware of who you are and who you are not if you are going to date aware. And what do I mean by that? You need to know what are your strengths and your weaknesses, what is it that you need? The whole point of, of marriage is finding someone who can kind of bring what you are lacking, but also that when you guys together will be, will be magnified, right? 
Know your defaults, your dependencies. What happens when you have stressful things happen in your life? What happens when hurt comes in your life? How do you deal with those things? Learning um, about yourself so that you can see and learn other people and know, you know, do you want to be in a relationship with someone who is like that if you know that you are like that? What are your values? What are your non-negotiables? What are the things, like, if you could write a list, here's your homework, three to five things that you're like, these are very high values of mine. This is different than your non-negotiables. Um, for me, I know those values is I want to make sure that in my life I am completely Holy Spirit-led. Another high value is I want to be known as someone who empowers others. So those are the kind of lists that you need to make to know what someone else can bring to you and making sure, too, that somebody else has similar values. And another thing, do you have a vision for your life? And what I mean for that is, do you have an accurate awareness of what it is that you're gifted at? Do you have an accurate awareness of what are your passions? Do you have an awareness of how God has showed up in your story or how God is showing up in your story today? Do you know what God has called you to do on this earth because God has a purpose and a plan for you first and foremost, and then he brings someone alongside you to run together in those purposes. But if you don't have an understanding on what your giftings are or what your passions are or how your story makes sense or what God is calling you to do today, right now when your feet are, then how can you attract someone that is going to be running in the same race with you? So you cannot know what you are looking for until you have an accurate view of the person looking back at you in the mirror. Yeah, I, I always like to say it this way. Two broken people coming together is not complete. It's codependent. So, and, and that's really what, what tends to happen in that way. So there's no you complete me. Here's another one, and, and we hear this all the time. I feel like this is talked about all the time. If you have good sex, then your marriage will be good. And, and here's why, why I talk about that. Like, we, we put sex at, all the way at the top. Like, it's always at the top of everything. Like, every magazine, every Cosmo, all that is like, how to have mind-blowing sex. Like, how to make sure he remembers you. Show up. Um, so... <laughs> it's yeah, like it's all of yeah. None of the none of them are like no magazine on Cosmo has ever said how to have a sixty year stable marriage. Yeah, like none of that, that ever happens. But they always focus on the sex. Here's here's the sad part of this, guys. Do you know sex in a good relationship, a good marriage? And this is for some of you. This I'm gonna kill your day. Is 05 percent of your relationship. Like not mine. Yeah. Like I need no, that broken stop. down for me, please. <laughs> it's like point five. That's considered a good relationship. Like it's not. It's more important. Here's why I'm saying this. It's more important to find somebody you can get along with that you can communicate with. That's why when I, we talk about sex, and if you didn't hear the message last week, go back and and listen to it. But but sex is a very powerful thing. But on top of it, you're going, man. I need to make sure we're compatible. God made you compatible. You don't need to figure that out. Well, you need to make sure we're compatible. Look, if the reason you immediately like the way that they have sex with you, it's not because you're compatible. It's because the person before you liked it the same way. So, look, I, I say that because it's a lie and it's not true. We, we need to care more about how we're getting along with this person and how we can communicate with this person than, than have sex with them. And at the same time, I'm not saying, oh, you just need to find somebody you're not attracted to that loves Jesus. I know that's one of like, the biggest fears that I would always get from young adults. <laughs> like their two biggest fears was God's going to call me to Africa and God's going to call me to marry somebody ugly. Like that was the two biggest fears I heard over what and over again. What if both of those happen? But look... It, <laughs> 
marriage is about so much more than that. That's why we talk about these things. That's why we talk about keep sex to, to the side. Like that is for marriage because what you should be working on is do we get along? Can we problem solve together? Do, is what we're going after in life, is that actually compatible with where we're going? How do, do we problem solve well? Yeah. <laughs> we just solve the it's problem and unpack different ways. <laughs> But I'll, here, here's the last one is generational cycles that you want to talk about. Yes. So generational cycles. And this kind of goes back to the lies that we believe. But Psalm 51.5 says, point blank, period, for I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. So generational sin and family strongholds are a very real thing. And they can play a huge role ultimately in our identity, which makes up kind of how we view ourselves but also how we relate to those around us. And although I'd kind of heard these churchy terms before, like stronghold, generational sin, what does that really mean? I was never really aware of how they were actually playing out in my life through my daily processes, but also my behaviors. So what is generational sin? If I were just to give you a real quick definition, generational weaknesses and tendencies, so these are the sins or behaviors handed down to us through members of our family that involve behavioral patterns and ways of thinking that ultimately keep us trapped in cycles. This is where you can look back over the generations of your family and be like, hmm, I see some common threads. So this is just to ask you the question, think about the sins that you're currently struggling with, or maybe there's some things that just keep tripping you up. Um, are those the same things maybe, the subconscious lies that maybe your parents also lived out of, or maybe they even saw grow up when they were growing up from their parents. So your grandparents, did they struggle with those same things? So in my family, the generational common threads, those strongholds were adultery, divorce, sexual immorality, porn, sexual abuse, enablement, and codependency. So I brought a lot in. <laughs> but when you decide to surrender and trust your life to Jesus, this is where I get fired up because no longer do you actually have to live your life that way. I believe that the enemy does really try to sell us this lie that, oh, this is just who I am, right? This is just who our family is. Like, it's always been this way. Or I've always just kind of been this way, so you either love me or you hate me. Right? But no, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, he said, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. So that means that we can actually choose, you can actually choose tonight to stand up today and say no, no longer. It stops right now, right here with me today. I am going to stand up, and I'm going to bring those lies out into the open. I'm just going to take one next step this week. I'm going to get in touch with Jesus. I'm going to get in touch with a counselor, and I'm going to stand up in my family, and I'm going to be a freedom fighter. We have the power to choose that, guys. And when I realized that, when I discovered that, like, yes, we did this whole whiteboard thing where they're like, this is everything that happened on your mom's side. This is everything that happened on your dad's side. It brought clarity, because I feel like we know a lot of the stuff in our minds, but sometimes when you actually see it written out, you're like, I got crazy, honestly. Awesome. It's not just me. But now I have the choice 
where I am empowered now by the blood of Jesus, but also the Holy Spirit to come alongside me and that he will heal and he will start to renew and transform my mind and I'm gonna start walking in freedom and I have a new name and I have a new life. You guys, that is the power that we have as Christ followers. We are not just stuck living out the same cycles over and over again. You can do different for your kids. You can do different for your family and the family that you desire. You can decide to have a new legacy. Colossians 3, 1 to 4 basically says this. It says, since you've been raised into a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor God's right hand. Think about things of heaven, not of earth. For you died to this life. This is what Chrissy's talking about. And your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share his glory. He's, he's like, I want you to understand, like, not only do you have a new life, but you get to share my glory. He wants something more for us. But I think we, a lot of times we just go, all right, I want that, that trip to heaven, but then I'm going to do things my own down here. God's like, no, 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 I can make something so much better yeah, for you. so much more. But you've got to be able to lean on me. So th yeah. these are the things that we talk about. Like, these are the things that you need to unload. These are things you need to unload. And really quickly right now, because I, 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 I encourage Chrissy to go off script, and she went longer than I thought. <laughs> but um, we're, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about how to avoid accumulating extra baggage. And here's the first one. This is the point where I always get called the killer of love, and that's fine. Uh, <laughs> break up quickly. The moment you know it's not going to happen, break up. There's so many in here that, like, like they feel bad that they're going to break up with somebody. Yeah, like so they, the number one they thing stay with them longer and longer. And they just treat them. them worse and worse until they finally go, should we break up? You're like, I guess so. Yeah. Look, some of the biggest pain that happens in relationships is from the fact that we delay breakup. Yeah. Uh, or we, we don't put it off. And here's one of the worst things you can do. When I choose not to break up with somebody that I know I'm not going to marry, that's selfish. Because they could be getting over this and finding somebody better than me in that amount of time. Yeah, that's good. And so, look, if you're dating in a way that, that, that pleases God, you have the ability to date, to break up, and to be honest on why you broke up. And it's okay to be honest if it's something that you can actually say, not because I don't like your face, but like yeah. because of or these not things. Because I wish I was more attractive I'm going to you. after these recently. things in life. You're going after these things. Like, whatever it may be, it's okay to be honest about those things. And we've got to be able to do that. And here's, here's the second thing, is establish boundaries. When we talk about boundaries, people automatically go to physical. And we're going to talk about physical for a second, but it's much more than that. It's also emotional boundaries. Proverbs 4.23 says this, says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And here, here's what I mean by this, and this is what we're talking about with emotional boundaries. Many of you, you go into relationships where your last relationship ended. Your last relationship was a year, was a year and a half, whatever it may be, and you go in emotionally right off the bat in the same place. You give all of yourself, all of your time, all of who you are to that person. So when I say you put up emotional boundaries, the best way to stay emotionally sound is to continue to do the things that you were doing before with the people you were doing it before while you're dating them. Here's what I mean by that. Keep your friends. Keep your friends. Keep your family around. Keep your church I get asked the question, should I visit their church? Absolutely. See if it's crazy. And they should visit your church. And you should meet their friends, and they should meet you. And you should be doing these things. But at the same time, and look, if they don't have friends to meet, that's a red flag. 
If they, it, it, like, if they don't want you to come to their, that's also a red flag. But look, you need to be able to meet these people. But look, I, I've seen too many people, they don't want to break up. And the reason they don't want to break up is because they left their friends behind, because they left their life behind. They gave yeah. everything to this person, and they feel absolutely stuck. Mm -hmm. And I'll say this, even with other families, I've seen people who, they fall in love with the person's yes. family because they didn't have that. All the time. Look, Stop. Look, you're, you're not, you need to figure out if that's the person you want to marry. Their family's great, but you're marrying that person. Yeah. And look, if you've been dating a short period of time, don't allow things to come into place that would add emotional times. If you've been dating like two or three months, don't spend Christmas with them. Like, don't, don't spend major holidays. Don't, don't go around these times. You want to make sure you have that distance because your goal in this time, guys, remember in this, your goal in dating is not to bond. Your goal in dating is to learn and observe. You want to see how they're going to act. You want to yeah, see how they good. walk through things in life. You don't want to be that emotionally reliant person. Here's a good question to ask yourself. If something bad happened to me right now, who's the first person that I would call? If the first person that you call is immediately the person that you've been dating for a short amount of time instead of your friend for years, then that's a problem. You're, you're, you're putting yourself in an emotional reliant place. And I'm going to say this, and this sounds really harsh, but this is backed up by psychologists, okay? If you have not been dating a long time and a big event, a family tragedy, a big death comes into play, all right? This is going to sound wrong, okay? But this is, like I said, this is backed up. The best thing for you to do in that moment is to take a break. Because what tends to happen is you trauma bond. And here's what's even worse about it, and this is why I'm going to say this. You're going to realize that I'm right. Here's what psychologists will say. If you are the person that they lean on as they get through that death or that tragedy, if you break up, they will go back to where they started because you were the crutch. The best thing for them to be able to do in that moment is to heal and is to walk through this thing with themselves and their group of friends and their, their family members rather than walking through it with you. And you're like, how? That just sounds like... Their, their person just died. Yeah, I understand. The best thing and the most emotionally healthy thing for you to do is to take a step back from that. Yeah, I'll just add one thing real quick to um, emotional before we go into physical. Ladies, I want to let you know that it takes two to be in a relationship and that the guy does not have to determine if you want to be in this relationship anymore or not. If you feel like your needs are not being met or that this is not going in a direction that you want or if you feel like the communication is not going where you want and you have a conversation about that and nothing changes, ladies, we don't have to wait and have the relationship be affirmed or validated by the male. You decide as well if you want to continue this or not. I have so many conversations with girls all the time that are like, and I'm like, okay, well, what are you going to do about it? Well, doesn't he need to be the one to kind of have the determine the relationship? Okay, yes, but there's two people in that conversation. And again, if you feel like this is not going in the direction that you also want, you are part of that conversation too. So physical boundaries. I love this verse in 1 Corinthians 7, 1 to 2, because it, it seems, he says, now regarding the question you asked in the letter, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. Basically meaning 
no sexual touching of any type. But it's, it's, I love the way he says this. But because there's so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. It sounds like there's like a parting gift on your way out the door. Here, here's a wife. Here's a husband. That's a weird word. But, um, <laughs> and here's, here's what I'm saying. One of yeah. the things that we always have to do, and I talked about this last week, is you have to set expectations early on. You have to make sure you're on the same page. Mm-hmm. You have to go, okay, this is what's okay. This is not what's okay. And the biggest thing that you can do to keep physical boundaries in the right place is determine where you're going to hang out. Yeah. Because it's really hard to get naked in a room full of people. <laughs> like, it, it's really hard well, to who do. your friends are. <laughs> right. It's really hard to do something sexual. <laughs> that might be a wild party. <laughs> Y'all think I said a lot last week. Man. So um, it determ- where you hang out, but who you hang out with, too. Yeah, it, it's, you want to be able to do that. Like, and so you're, guys, the easiest, the easiest way to keep your boundaries, physical boundaries, is to just not hang out alone. It's the easiest thing. But people are like, oh, but we, we love to just hang out, like, on the couch at night with, like, the, the lights dimmed. Like, that, that's hell if you're trying to do the right thing. That's awful. And if that's not tough for you to go through, that's another problem. But, like, that is awful. And on top of it, I talked about this before, psychologists will tell you, it's a bad thing to purposely put yourself in situations where there should be intimacy, but you're trying to abstain from intimacy. Yeah, it's foolish. Like, that's not going to set you up for a good marriage. That's going to teach you that what we ought to do is abstain instead of look for, look for that. And so, like I said, like, the wrong question is always how far. The right question is what's the Christian idea of what God wants us to do? He goes, abstain. He goes, anything that's sexual, you want to stay away from. Why? Because we want to keep the bonding to the minimum, and we want to get to know the person as much as possible. Yeah, and I'll also speak to that, too, because this is definitely the most questions we get asked about boundaries, period. Um, But also, you have to consistently re-examine boundaries the longer that you're together. Is this working? Is this not working? Because the longer you get to know each other, the harder it's going to be. So it's okay to always reestablish and have those conversations over and over again. Yeah, because, and I get this question, um, what about if we're engaged? I'm like, yeah. Do you ever see engagements end? Like, it's an awful thing. Don't get me wrong. Like, it, but it happens. Like, you don't want to be in a situation where you, all of a sudden you realize this is not the right person, but because you've started in, in that relationship, you, that you don't see it. So I get this, we get this question a lot. Is it okay to spend the night, um, but just sleep in the same bed, but not have sex? Why? No, don't. You didn't ask the second part of that question. I was going to let you answer because you, you, you see it. Uh, Why would you, why would you put yourself in that position? And like I said, that's a whole nother deal of like purposely putting yourself in an intimate position. Like, I mean, the only way I could have to take like NyQuil, I'm going to just sit there the entire night, just staring at the ceiling. But... Yeah, go for it. Yeah, and the other question that we get all the time is, should we vacation alone? Or no one asks, actually. They just go on vacations alone, and we see it in Insta Story. (laughs) Look, here's why we have boundaries. No, don't put yourself in that position. (sighs) Because both with physical and emotional boundaries, it is almost impossible to go backwards. Like, it's almost impossible. People are like, all right, we were doing this, but now we're not going to. It's really hard to go backwards. So the best thing that you can do is, is put up the boundaries in the beginning. Yeah, and make sure your people know them, too. So you have a small group. You have right. your, your people. Make sure they're holding you accountable. We actually have some very close friends that are like, I cannot stop stopping at this dude's house. Can you put me on Find Your Friends? <laughs> So that you can see and when I am supposed alert. to go this way, and I go that way, and we're if like, they you text, ended up at that what house, are you doing? They told us. 
Yeah. 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 So we've, <laughs> we've done that before. Have your people hold you accountable. If you're in that season and something's really hard, be honest about it and be like, hey, I need you to keep your eye on me because I am just not in a very strong season right now. Yeah. Okay. We need to hang out. Why? Because we need to hang out. That's just, and, and here's the last one, and this is something that most people don't think of, but I just want to talk about spiritual boundaries. Um, okay. Like I said, your goal is not to bond with this person. It's to watch and observe this person. So the question that we get, oh, should we start like a Bible study together right off the bat? No. No. You should both be doing your time with God, and you can talk about it. And your goal as a Christian is to see, are they doing it without me? Right. Like, you want to see if they're actually caring about, care about this without you helping them get through it. You want to see if they want to continue to grow without them getting through it. You want to encourage spiritual commitment, but you want to keep it separate. Your, your growth to that, of your growth, spiritual growth should not be tied to that person. It should be something that starts with you. And, and I see this happen all the time. And I see people, they're like, but you don't understand. I can't break up with them because then they won't come back to church. That's not a reason not to break up with them. Like, uh, your job, guys, our job is not to, to bring somebody closer through dating. Our job is to figure out, is that the person that we're going to marry? And That's truthfully, I'll, I'll be honest with you, if you actually date in a way that honors God, there'll be a lot more respect for who God is when you leave the relationship than if you do it the opposite way. I've had too, way too many conversations where I've dated Christian guys and this is the way it went. Like, that didn't bring them towards God. And I'll, I'll say this on top of it. Like, we, we have a savior complex sometimes. It's like, well, if I don't bring them to God, then no one will. Or uh, Pastor Craig always, uh, you know, if you guys know Pastor Craig's story, Debbie was the Christian, and he started coming to church because of her. And I've had girls literally say this, like, I can't break up with him. He may be the next Pastor Craig. No, he's not. <laughs> no, he, he doesn't even come. No, stop. Look, God, you are a bad savior. Yes. You're not meant to be the savior. You're not meant to bring somebody to God through your dating relationship. Mm -hmm. Like that is the worst way to bring somebody to God. You're, you're, what you want to do is you want to keep yourself as healthy as possible. You want to make sure that you're growing in your spiritual walk and then see what they're doing also. Yeah, so just as we close, looking back, I know that I would have done a lot of things differently. I know that I wish that I would have invested more in my season of singleness, and if I could go back, I would have done, would you have done things differently? We've never even actually had, the, had that conversation of what I you would have done 18. differently. <laughs> we'll, we'll continue that conversation later. But I love the verse in the Bible where Paul is telling Christians, hey, walk worthy of the calling you've received. Marriage is a calling, yes. But guys, so is singleness. Right now where your feet find themselves, is exactly where you're supposed to be. You have been called there. So just a couple of questions for you to kind of think about as you go into groups. What if instead of trying to climb out or rush past or pray this season away, what if you trusted that God is good and that he is for you and that he is writing a really epic story in your life? What if you chose to believe that your significance is not tied to a significant other, nor does it determine if you will lead a life of significance? What if instead of comparing your season to someone else's season, which we are so good at doing, questioning, God, did I miss it somewhere? Did I miss him? Did I miss her? Did they look my way and I had my back turned? Or maybe you're just believing that God has less 
for you? What if instead you chose to believe that marriage isn't some place or season to attain or position yourself in or achieve, and that singleness is not anything less than God's best for your life right here, right now, for the much more and the purposes that he has called you to. Singleness does not determine your worth. It does not determine your voice. It does not determine your calling and your purpose for building his kingdom right here in Tampa. That is not attached to being married. So right now where he has called you in this season, the question that I leave you with is, so what are you going to do with this season? What are you going to do with it? God, we just come to you today and, and, God, I know we, 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 we laugh, we, we talk about some things, but God, I pray that uh, the hearts, uh, something will have changed, something will have made sense, that just something about the way that you do things, God, that will be more attracted to it. God, I pray for those in this room that have, that have hurts, that have hangups, have, have things in their life right now that they've never dealt with and they've never told anybody about. God, I pray that they find the help that they need. God, I pray that they don't hide behind it anymore. God, I pray that they, they find the counseling and the people that they need to surround themselves with. Guys, guys with uh, addiction, God, I pray that we, they don't allow their addiction to stay hidden anymore, but we purposely take steps forward to end it. God, God, we pray for all in this room, those that are dating, those that are not dating, wherever they are in this place, God, I pray that their next steps will be the steps that you would ask them to take, that they would be doing the things that you called them to do so that they can do things different than what was done before them, so that their marriage can be different, their relationship can be different, the way they raise their kids can be different, and what they do in their time will actually leave a legacy worth following to those behind them. God, we thank you for the opportunity that everyone in this room has. We thank you for that, and in Jesus' name I pray, amen.